Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Kensington's newest title, The Most Eligible Bride in London by Ella Quinn. From USA Today bestselling author Ella Quinn comes this humor-infused Regency romance that's perfect for Bridgerton lovers. The third book in her charming Lords of London series, this book follows the story of Nathaniel, Viscount Fotherby, a former rogue looking to redeem his reputation after a terrible mistake, who falls for the sister of the woman he once wronged. You see, Miss Henrietta Stern has beauty, connections, a sizable dowry, and plenty of admirers. But no other suitor makes her heart race like Nate does. But his mistake almost cost Henrietta's sister her reputation. Nate has been trying to make amends ever since, leaving behind his self-centered ways. But Henrietta's family may never forgive him. Her heart insists Nate has changed for the better. But can a scoundrel possibly prove himself to be the perfect husband? You can find The Most Eligible Bride in London by Ella Quinn wherever books are sold. Find more at kensingtonbooks.com. Did you know that Kinda Dating Now has merch? Yep, we collaborated with tpublic.com to create t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, iPhone cases, and so much more. Picking up one of our items is a great way to support the show and grab some swag for yourself. So swing over to tpublic.com or follow the link in the description of this episode to grab yours today. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Kinda Dating, the comedy dating podcast where I, your host, Natasha Chandel, and some cool guests break down the dating world and try to figure out why the fuck do we all have commitment issues? Today's topic is sexual reconnection. Let's do this. Hello, friends. I'm Natasha Chandale, and you're listening to Kind of Dating. I have Aisha here with us. Hey, hey. What's up, girl? <laughs> oh, nothing much. Just decided to dip on in. Yeah, I like it. I like when you dip <laughs> on in. Dip, dip. Dip, dip. Friends, uh, please remember to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get it and tell your friends. Uh, that is how we grow is word of mouth. Thank you so much. We were recently in the top 25 of relationship podcasts on Apple. Um, that was amazing. Um, so all because of you guys, thank you. Please also leave us a five-star rating, a review wherever you get the podcast, because that is what really helps us chart if you don't understand that busy part of it. Um, and follow us on social media. We're at Kinda Dating across the board. Aisha, where are you at? I am at Aisha Says Dance across the board. And I'm at Natasha Chandel on Instagram, Natasha.Chandel on TikTok, Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter. Yeah, figure it out, man. I don't know. 
we have a really exciting guest with us today. He's a, he's a friend of both Aisha and I. Uh, we're going to explain this all to you, but he's a somatic wellness coach, Court Vox. <laughs> what is up? Hello. Good to see you both. It's been so, so long. So good to see you. <laughs> um, you are not always a somatic wellness coach. <laughs> I was not. And you were not always a podcast host. No, no. And, no. and, that, and, that, and that's where like that life changed. changes a lot. So yes. do you want to tell our listeners how we all know each other? <laughs> no, we, we all worked at a, at a company called Maker Studios, which was at the time the largest multi-channel network on YouTube. And it was like the hottest place to work. <laughs> Everybody was like into it. And then Disney bought it and it was. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. All right. RIP. <laughs> RIP maker. Uh, but yeah, we all, we all used to work together. Aisha Court and I, um, Court was always the fashionable one. And so mm. rightfully so you worked in sort of the, the beauty, fashion, talent management section. Um, And Aisha and I were the boring programming people. (laughs) Figuring out. How to make things happen. Yeah. (laughs) Somebody's got to do it. Right. (laughs) So, But now you are a somatic wellness coach. What does that even mean? And how did that transition happen? Yeah. So somatic means of the body. So Mm -hmm. I... um, you know, in addition to being a wellness coach, I'm also a sex and intimacy coach. So um, people come to see me for a myriad of reasons. Some people are really looking to like reconnect with their body um, and come back to their body in a big way. Some people are looking to um, kind of dive into intimacy issues and other people are really looking to connect their eroticism to their sexuality. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, people come for a lot of different reasons. I work with Predominantly straight women, straight couples, um, and uh, GBTQ men. Those are my main areas of focus. And I'm like open to all kinds of bodies and orientations, but those are the people that like find me. So um, yeah, it's never, never a dull day in in my office. I love it. Uh, uh, Aish, you got to ask him the first question though. (laughs) Yes. The first question, Court. Yes. Are you single or in a relationship? Ah, I'm in a relationship. I've been in a relationship for five years. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Love we, it. Had I had mean, our ups and downs and still going strong. Sure. Everybody has ups mm-hmm. and downs, right? That's normal. We are definitely in the upswing right now, which feels really yes. good. <laughs> we're, having, we're having what I'd like to call um, uh, like a romance right now with each other. Oh. It feels like um, like we're lovers again. Oh, so fun. you're saying it's possible after five years to kind of still make it feel like that? Yeah, I definitely think there's, you know, there's dips and valleys in relationship. And I think, you know, kind of breaking down like what a new relationship is um, and kind of. So the thing is, you will never be able to re recapture that new relationship energy. It's just its own thing, right? But you can look at what the elements about that new relationship or any new relationship that make it so good and apply it to your current relationship. 
So, so one of the things is, you know, whoa, whoa, I, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, oh, I'm okay. going to pause you. Cause we, we're not going to get to the end of everything. We're going to make people listen. We're going to make them. Oh, learn. oh okay. You know, we, this is, we're going to stretch this baby out. Good. So maybe let's start with anticipation. Yeah. <laughs> anticipation is one of them. You know, when you're first meeting somebody, you know, there's so much anticipation about what's going to happen, what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of newness and the unknown. And there's something about the unknown and like not knowing that's really fucking sexy. Right. And so as you grow with somebody, you become more and more together. You become closer and closer together. And there's like, you know, sometimes intimacy can push people away sexually because you just know too goddamn much about Mm -hmm. your partner. And it's just like not that exciting anymore. So there are ways to recreate anticipation in your sex life through touch and through language, through play, um, through teasing, you know, all of these things are elements of like how to keep things um, kind of fresh. Um, and I love that people are like, you got to keep it fresh. It's like, what? So how the fuck am I supposed to do that? And like, <laughs> what does fresh mean? Right. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we definitely want you to explain what fresh means to us. Uh, let's come back to a little bit of the basics, right? Yeah. Um, I'm curious how you both feel before you kind of got into this space court, um, mm-hmm. but Aisha and court, like, have you guys always felt comfortable around sex, talking about sex, uh, you know, as an Indian female, um, we grew up in an environment that, you know, we would, we watch TV shows and the second somebody kissed, <laughs> yeah, we were to, like, our parents turned the channel. It was like, it didn't exist. Obviously there's a billion of us. So clearly it does, but, uh, you know, that idea that it's a very taboo and we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a process for me to like, learn that. How did you guys feel about sex and in court? Why are people so uncomfortable talking about sex? I don't know. Natasha, you want to go first? <laughs> sure. I mean, I can talk- sorry. Yeah, no, it's all good. I can talk about um, my, I have a very interesting upbringing with it because, um, well, my mom mostly is the one who's like, you know, teaching me all the things from a like analytical, this is sex. This is this, this is, you need to learn what this is like great on that. But as soon as it, if it was like presented, like you said on TV or in a movie or anything, she, she would be so uncomfortable, which I think <laughs> Like she would just be like squirmish and saying like, ew, and like laughing. And so I think that kind of like imprinted on my brain where like I can talk about it, but then when it comes down, I've if, like, when it comes down to like in the moments, I've like realized that, oh, maybe I'm not as comfortable as I like thought I was. And I think that all traces down from an upbringing where it was comfortable on the like analytical level, but maybe not so much on the doing the do level. <laughs> I, yeah. I hear that a lot with mm. clients, actually, that, you know, their parents, actually, there was like positive messaging around sex. But then there was also this like undertone of shame and undertone of like, um, I want you to know, but then like, I don't mm. want you to see it. Like right. when I know it's real and it's in the room, like we're shutting it down. Um, mm. I think it's common. And I think parents don't even realize they're doing it sometimes. Totally. Um, yeah, I think my 
I'm sorry. Were you finished? I want to make sure you got. Yes. Okay. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I think my upbringing was very unusual. I had a mother who was really, really open about everything. Like I remember coming home from preschool and she would say naked tooties. And we would like, my sister and I would like strip down naked and like run around the front yard in the sprinklers naked. Front yard. Yeah. (laughs) And you know, what about your neighbors? Like, oh, the neighbors ended up calling the cops, but right. whatevs, their problem. Rudes. But I, I guess, you know, my, my mom was just so free with nakedness and bodies and um, really early on, you know, gave us books that were, you know, illustrated books talking about sex and how babies are made and mm-hmm. like actual good ones. Um, I think what was missing is the discussion around pleasure-based sex. And I think that's missing from a lot of education. And it's harder for parents to talk about pleasure-based sex with their kids um, because that's when it starts to get uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. This is like, this is something that can be pleasurable. It's so much easier to come at it from a fear-based place, which is where our education system is. It's like, you know, if you have sex, you could get herpes, gonorrhea, syphilis, HPV, AIDS, HIV, right. you could have a baby. Right. <laughs> put a condom on, please. Right. <laughs> have birth control. You know, so it's very like fear-based. And so I think, you know, how that is felt and resonates in the body, mm. you know, you start to build, you start to build up memory there, um, sense memory in the body. And it's just like when we, you start to go there, it's like, oh, there's something actually that's not. Um, that's not cool with me. Like if there's an f- actual somatic feeling in the body of, oh, there's something wrong here or something dirty. Mm-hmm. And do you mean when, when like parents don't teach the pleasure-based part of it, is it kind of a, a mixture of what Aisha was saying that we're always taught sort of the, a D goes in a V or a D goes in a whole, you know, like the traditional heteronormative way of, of sex. Here's just the, the action of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's a condom involved and right. this is what it results in. But you're saying we're never taught about how to be sensual with somebody, how mm-hmm. to connect. Like, mm-hmm. I think everybody probably has their first experience of like their first French kiss. You know, mm-hmm. you're like, what do I do? And like, thank God I watch shows to be able to go. I think there's tongue involved right. and like be really <laughs> present of how to move it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's probably resulted in a lot of like sloppy kisses and really bad sex, right? Because people haven't been taught. Well, I think that's totally fair. Like when you're young that you do have those experiences. It's, you know, you don't learn to ride a race car your first time around the track. You got to, you know, start small. You start with an actual car in the drive, the the student seat. (laughs) And so it's like you have to be willing to make mistakes always. Um, and you have to be willing to continue to like learn. I think um, a, a big thing just in, in our culture worldwide is that we're really not connected to our bodies. You know, we're not encouraged to be connected to our bodies. And, you know, from a, like a, and not to get too into politics and things, but, you know, it works better when people are not connected to their bodies. So much easier to control um, people's bodies when, when they're not autonomous. Right. Um, 
And so there's a lot of messaging, and I'm just going to speak about America right now, that's like, do you, love your, be your best self. You know, you're awesome. Love yourself. And then you're like, I do. I love myself. Like, look at me in this hot dress or this tight t-shirt. And then they go, oof, who do you think you are? Not tight shirt, slut, little whore. And you're like, whoa. I am just like feeling myself today. This has nothing to do with that. Like you wanted me to own my body. You wanted to love myself, all the things. And those same people are the ones that point the finger and like, but not too much. Right. Yeah. I actually had a very sort of traumatic experience with that in high school because um, I was, a, I was very tomboyish and, you know, actually before puberty was very like I had abs and was very lean and uh, very athletic. I kind of never really thought puberty would happen to me. And then it did, of course. Um, And I kind of went from like zero to everything. So I never had a training bra. I just went from zero to like C. Um, And uh, and so I was always sort of a a top heavy and didn't realize it because I was sort of like tomboyish. And in high school, was when, you know, the first time, like, I wasn't even trying to be uh, revealing. I just didn't realize, like, I just thought everybody's body must sort of be like this. Like, I never really compared it. So I was, I would like wear certain things. And then I realized, like, people were giving me really unwanted attention or pointing at it to a point that it made me so conscious that I actually didn't wear a bikini till a few years ago in LA. And it was just like, I was always so, you know, and I was a dancer, mind you, I was a dancer Mm -hmm. too, for 10 years. And like, I always felt very uncomfortable in the same clothing as other girls because of that weird attention that my body got, even though on one end you're told to like celebrate it. Um, yeah. I never like liked it. So I can understand and empathize with like people out there who must also go through that in different, with different parts of their body. Yeah. And I think, you know, if we're talking about puberty in general, I think, you know, it's such an awkward time. Everybody's like coming into a new body. Mm-hmm. It's literally like, I mean, I remember from eighth to ninth grade, I grew like four inches in a summer and I could feel my bones stretching, you know, and I went from kind of being this like pudgy (laughs) dude with glasses to like being six foot four and super lean. And it was like, I was like, what do I do with these limbs? You know? Um, (laughs) Oh my God, Core, tell me what it feels like to be tall. Cause I (laughs) I was 12, literally the same size since I was 12. (laughs) Yeah. I I do think there's another piece where you know, a lot of people do get to know their body and they do start to feel more comfortable in it. And then, you know, something happens, life happens, work happens. You're sitting in a chair all day long. You're just drained Mm -hmm. and you start to slowly like get disconnected from your body. You stop listening. You know, your body says, I need to go to the bathroom. And you're like, nope, not now. Mm -hmm. And they're like, your body's like, I really got to go. And you're like, not now I'm working. I'm doing all the things. And then finally, you know, your body stops asking those things, you know, and it becomes either like an emergency or you're just like putting it off. And it goes for sexuality and, and Eros too. It's like, 
no, I don't have time for sex right now. I don't have time for relationship. I don't have time for my body. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's been 10 years and you're like, crap, where did it go? I'm so disconnected from all of it. And I don't even know where to begin anymore. So how do you work with people sort of to feel comfortable in their bodies? Good question. Not Um, sex related, just even being comfortable with themselves. Right. So a lot of the work that I do is around like somatic exercises or embodiment exercises um, and really like pulling from um, these core tenets of breath, movement, sound and choice and voice. So on the, the breath side of there might be like meditation that really focuses on breath not just um, like awareness of breath, but um, breath practices that heighten like a mood, right? It can heighten your elevated mood or or compress or decompress. Um, and then with sound, sound is really interesting because we don't we don't really elevate our voices a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, we're taught to be quiet. We're taught to not make strange noises. <laughs> all these things. And it could be like really liberating to just scream. Um, and the other thing is, is choice and voice, which is really big is like being able to ask for what you want, being able to voice desire, being able to, you know, whatever that is, whether it's like sexual related, or it's being able to voice that you want a new job um, or a new career or a new um, position at work. So those are definite points in all of the work that I do. The embodiment exercises are really designed to have the client inquire something. Um, and there's something that that is magical that happens when there's a, a mental and emotional inquiry matched with an embodied um, exercise. Because it's felt in the body differently as opposed to just talking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as we're as we're you're sort of explaining it, I am remembering a couple like sexual experiences that didn't feel as great um, because those people I, I know I can say one in specifically who didn't feel comfortable with their body. So, mm-hmm. for example, felt that um, he was a a little had a little more weight than um than I think he would have liked and so I remember during sex it was like he kept his shirt on and or he kept a t-shirt on and that kind of thing and uh and I'm realizing as we're speaking like all of that ties into the connection you feel with your body right like I mean I don't know you tell me does it that that if you're not content with you yeah how can you feel good and really let go during this very intimate act of sex. Right. And not, and all of us don't have court bodies. Okay. Cause guys follow court on Instagram. I have my own around my body too. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I've realized like, it doesn't matter what body you're in. There's still going to be stuff around it. You know, I've worked a range of, of folks from really normal people to people with disabilities to people who are porn stars and, and, you know, ex actors and everybody has their own shit. 
You know, it's like not just because you think, oh my God, she's got the perfect hourglass figure or, um, you know, he's got a six pack that they must not be dealing with any of this. It's not true. (laughs) Everybody has their own things about their body that they're concerned about working on. I think that the key, what you're talking about, like with this guy that kept his shirt on is there's just no way that you can be present to what's happening, to be conscious of what's happening, to be connected to the other person. If you're thinking about, oh my God, my belly is too big. Mm -hmm. Or what do I look like right now? You know, you're just not even there. You're, Mm -hmm. you're somewhere else, which is starting to get into your head about something. And, and, you know, I get a lot of that with clients is their performance anxiety of feeling like, oh my God, I have to like perform here. And, you know, that connection to the body is like, okay, I've got my flaws, but also like, I'm going to feel into what this feels like. You know, I, I can touch anybody, me personally, I can touch anybody and get pleasure from it because I really have trained myself to find pleasure for my own self. It has really nothing to do with them. It's something that I own. It's mine. My eroticism, my connection to my body is mine. And so I can really take that and transfer it to any, any human and any body. And I can truly find pleasure in anybody's body. Um, and you know, I think that's something that I want to be yes. able to, I want to um, know, like, I'm sure I know, I, Aisha, do you feel this? Like I have IBS. Okay. I'm going to reveal something on the mic. I have IBS and, and I could eat a chip and that fucking chip just makes my stomach feel like absolute shit. Um, no pun intended, but totally intended. And right. so it's like, I don't feel good sometimes. And, and then in that I've had to like, learn to like shake it off. Cause sometimes you're dating somebody or in a relationship. Like I live with somebody now, like I can't feel off all the time. Or like, I've had to learn to like live around it. I don't know. Aish, do you ever feel like that? Sometimes you just feel fucking bloated. You know oh. what I mean? And <laughs> how can we get past those moments where we just don't enjoy what we're feeling right now. So if you're talking about like just being in your own body or are you talking about being erotic with your partner? Like feeling comfortable in our bodies when we don't while we're being erotic with somebody. (laughs) (laughs) That enables us to get there. (laughs) Cause I think it it. is. So I, I, I think I think sometimes it's just an acknowledgement of what's going on and a naming, which sometimes is not that sexy, but at least like you're giving your partner a heads up. Like I like the five second rule, which Mm -hmm. is um, changing the narrative a little bit to not, are you in the mood to, could you be in the mood? Like, could you be in the mood? Well, give me five seconds. You know, let's play around a little bit. Like, kiss my neck, you know, kiss me. Right. I might be able to get into it. Give me five seconds instead of going to the no right away, which is like a lot of times where we go, we it's like, and it starts to get into a pattern of like, I'm tired. It's been a long day. No, 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 no. And the person that's asking after a while, it's like, 
yeah. I'm going to stop asking because it's just like, you know, it feels draining. And so giving it five seconds um, and also changing the narrative from, are you in the mood to, could you be in the mood? Um, and then also like sitting down with your partner. And this is like an exercise, like just asking, like, what does erotic mean to you? What does sex mean to you? Or just like, let's write it on a piece of paper and then trade. Because a lot of times, like your definition, and this happens with, with couples that I work with, and I have them do that the first day, and their definitions are different. Their definitions of sex are different. One is like romance and love letters and flowers, and the other one's like penetration. Right. And it's like, okay, there's a, there's a little bit of a miss here. And so it could be a discussion of what those words mean to you. And then a reframing of other ways that you can connect erotically that don't involve penetration, that don't involve genitals for that matter. You know, like, could it be a massage? Um, could it be um, some dirty talk? Could it be some making out? Could it be listening to an audio desires um, uh, story on, on the app? You know, there's a lot of ways that you can connect with each other um, that aren't um, that aren't sexual or, you know, sexual in the traditional term. And so kind of like identifying what those are and, you know, saying like, I could be up for this. Does that work for you? So you're not saying no, but you're changing the ask a little bit. You're negotiating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I like that. And also when you give yourself five seconds, I could be like, how gassy do I feel right now? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I'm like, sometimes yeah. I feel like I'm like bloated, but then I'm like, it's okay. I can handle this. But sometimes you're like, I can't handle it. You can't. Just, right. You can't fucking get. And I think it's okay to like be up front. Like, you know what? I'm feeling a little under the weather and I'm going to give it five seconds and I'm going to give it five minutes. Let's, let's see how it goes. And if I'm not feeling it, can I call it quits? You know, I, I, I feel personally that that lands better for me than a hard no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So true. And it's so funny that you bring up like putting out lists and like negotiations. Um, when me and my partner first started dating, um, very early on, she like sent me this list and was like, look at this list and see all the things that you would definitely want to do, not so sure want to do and like not want to do. And that actually like made it really, it made me feel really comfortable and like willing to like, okay, maybe I wouldn't have originally thought about doing this, but like, I don't know, maybe this could be okay. So I definitely think that it's super helpful and it helps sort of loosen things up a bit. <laughs> what a fun exercise too, to like receive, like, here's all the things I'm interested in. like. Right. Check the box and which one's like, do you want to go explore with me? Right. Like that's I kind of that's, fun. I love her for doing that. Super that, mature. Yeah, that's such a great idea. Also, like to uh, you know, say what I'm what you're not into, right? So that it's like upfront, because the the hard part sometimes is like people don't say it up front, and then months into a relationship, somebody will offer something or ask for something. And then you're just like, yeah. Oh no, I, right. I don't want to, I've never wanted to do this. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, those, those are harder conversations. I mean, I, it's interesting. I was just answering um, another sex, another sex therapist on Instagram. She had a question around 
I have two clients in our long-term monogamous relationship and they both, both identify as submissives. Mm. Like, could this work? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oof, that's a hard one. That's a really hard one because if you're really on the subby side, yeah, just like, A, you're not going to want another submissive if your other partner is like super subby too to top you. It's just like not going to be attractive. Mm-hmm. And if you have to teach them how to top you, it's like even more unattractive. And so it's a, it's a challenge like for that couple to stay monogamous. Um, you know, like when you have core erotic themes that are so um, diversified from each other, you know, it's easier to say, look, I love the sex that we have together. I love the relationship we have together. You are my perfect partner. And there's just some things erotically for me that I know I'm not going to get from you, but mm-hmm. I need, I need permission and openness to get somewhere else, whether that's from an outside lover or an outside partner, fuck buddies, sex workers, whatever it is. Um, not carving that out for yourself is starts to get dangerous because you're 10 years in and you've like shunted like a really important part of yourself for this relationship. And then you're like, fuck, I can't do it anymore. My, my body is itchy and I'm revolting, you know? Um, so I think that's an important thing to talk about early on, to give that list of like what you're into. I think it's really important because it's the same thing, the same conversation as like, you know, what, what is your fine, your situation on finances and children and, right. and jobs. And like, where do you see yourself in five to 10 years? You know, I think the question of like, what are you into sexually and what are you open to? That's a super important one that a lot of people are not having. Mm -hmm. Yeah. On that like note about um, the two subbies together, do you Mm -hmm. think that is like a core like thing or can that be changed or expanded upon? Or do you think some people are just like, this is just. You know, it depends. Like there's a, there's a, there's a, a continuum, right? It's not just like a black and white. So if you're somewhere, you know, somewhere in the middle and, and you would consider being like more switchy, like you could, you could be more, more of a dominant and more of a submissive. There is that opportunity for you to like step more into your dominant energy and explore there. And there actually to be a lot of, um, a lot of juice there. Right. Um, but if you're like so far on the submissive side, it's going to be really challenging. Right. Because it just like goes against like the grain. It goes against the grain of your the fibers of your body. Um, so, yeah, it's a challenge for sure. For sure. Makes sense. On a sort of similar note, maybe not. We'll see. <laughs> so why do relationships after a while feel stale? Like are is it maybe because people aren't supposed to be monogamous or is there something else going on? What is that? Well, I, I think, I think there are people that are monogamous, just like there, there are people that are polyamorous and, you know, all the ranges of polyamory. Um, you know, I polyamory and open relationships are just as hard as monogamy for different reasons. Um, I think, you know, Going back to like what new relationships are, it's anticipation, it's surprise, it's newness. You know, these are all things that are like new for the people. 
Um, there's like a specific aliveness you feel. And so if you can keep that going, like if you can keep surprising your partner, keep planning, keep teasing, you know, and starting to understand like what really turns them on, what is arousing for them and really playing into it. If you know that your partner really loves to be teased and like has specific kinks and loves to be planned for and loves to be adored, like, you know how to take care of them. Like that should be a no brainer. It just takes creativity mm-hmm. and in some planning and some work, right? So for me to plan something that involves anticipation and teasing and um, kind of newness for my partner, it takes a little bit, it takes a little foresight. And most people are not willing to do that um, or they don't know. They're like, I don't know what to do. Uh, I don't know right. how to like set up this thing. You know, and it's like also adults have forgotten how to play. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, like, can we just play and like, let's be animals for the night <laughs> or like you be the fucking princess and I'll be the Viking warrior. <laughs> I've never played that one, by the way. <laughs> well, it, it, it also comes back to that original thing about relationships in general, right? That people forget that relationships take work. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that doesn't mean that it has to be hard work or bad work. It's just, it comes so naturally to us to put in that work when we first start dating somebody, right? We're willing to go all out. We're pulling all the strings to get them to yeah. want us. And then a few months in, we're like, I already got them. I don't need to try that hard. Um, and it's one of the reasons I've personally never really enjoyed, honestly, like the idea of marriage for me has mm-hmm. been like, I kind of like the idea of somebody feeling like I could walk away at any time. <laughs> so like you better fucking keep trying. Cause I am not gonna, you know, uh, I even, I tell my boyfriend all the time right now. I'm like, I'm not your best friend. I was like, I'm not your mom. I'm not your therapist. I just want to be your girlfriend and girlfriend yeah. means like, you better put in that fucking work. <laughs> Like I put in the work, you know, and luckily he's great. But I said that like very early on. There's something to that though, right? You are really proclaiming like I am your lover, Mm -hmm. right? And there's something to be said about being in a long-term relationship and keep claiming I am your lover. Mm -hmm. Don't treat me like your wife. Don't treat me like your mother or your sister. I am your fucking lover. I am your mistress. You know, I even tell him I'm not your best friend. I'm very, I'm like, go have best friends. Like you have other places that outlets that are not me because that real dynamic changes in people's head. You think best friend, I can tell them. No, I don't want you to tell me everything. Like, I don't want to tell you everything. You don't tell me everything. (laughs) Yeah. I think, you know, if he has a best friend, he's really lucky. I think there's a lot of men that are like crave, crave male friendship and have a really hard time with it because there's so much like stigma around it. There's like homophobia involved. And it's like, no, like men need friends too. You know, even I, you know, it's something that I'm exploring right now in my forties. And it feels so freaking good to have men that are, are not sexual partners, but are just like, really deep connecting friends 
like that I can say shit to and share with, and they're not going to judge me or, or run away or tell me I'm too much. Like it's a big thing for men, you know, and it's really encouraged with women and it's really not so much in men. Like there's a lot of male relationships that are like real surfacy, you know, especially with straight men, it's like sports and family and kids, but it's not like getting to the underbelly of like real issues. Like that's such a special relationship that, that men can have with each other and support each other in um, that there needs to be more of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's a very, it's a very good point and important point. Um, You know, when it's, do you think it's inevitable that a relationship might at some point feel a little stale? And then when that does happen, is it like one person's fault? Is it, <laughs> is it like both people got to own up to it? Cause you know, it's easy to say, well, he, she, they keep saying, no, it's only yeah. on them. Um, but is it also on maybe the other partner to have tr- tried different ways to mm. get them? Yeah. It, you know, I think it could be a conversation of, Hey, um, I'm asking, I want you, I okay. desire you. And I've been asking and I've keep getting no, and I'm starting to feel a little run down. And, you know, I get that we're tired and you're working a lot. And I'm, I'm curious if it's me or if I'm asking, like, is there a different way that I could ask? Or if there's something that I can do, because I'm really missing connecting with you this way. And it's not that I'm like constantly trying to get in your pants. It's just, I need that connection with you and I'm not getting it. So what can we do? You know, it's, I, I'm not shaming you. I'm not blaming you. And I also, I, I need that. I need it for me. You know, and I think um, specifically in straight couples, there's this feeling from women of like, and this is on men too, of, of like, can I give you a massage? And you're like, yeah, give me a massage, baby. I need it. Or, you know, I'm feeling it's been such a hard day and they start massaging you and you're like, Oh, this is so good. And then all of a sudden they're like up in your butt crack and you're and mm. you're in your parts. And you're like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. This is not that you said you were going to give me a massage. This is clearly you taking from my body mm. and propositioning me in a way that I didn't agree to. And that doesn't feel good. So I'm hard nodding right now for the audience. (laughs) I have definitely been there where people are like, I'll I'll give you a great massage. You relax. And I'm like, what? (laughs) For the men, I mean, I think men need to, first of all, like anticipation, surprise, planning, um, teasing, all those things are really important. And, you know, as I work with women, those are like really big elements for women of, narrative and storytelling and arousal like we're not going straight to your pussy right away like actually we're going to tease you like so you want it so bad that you were begging me to touch you there (laughs) i fucking love that because like i and this comes back to uh something you said earlier right like um is is it important or have you noticed a difference between what a female considers to be sex and what a man considers to be sex. Like you said, it, it to some people, it might include pen, uh, only penetration mm-hmm. and to others, it might be foreplay. Cause my 
gut is saying maybe women um, tend to say more like, hey, I also want some foreplay to get me in the mood, you know, and guys are just like, bang. (laughs) So I think that's actually a misconception. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there are women that are very sexual. They're very driven by visuals. They want to see, they want to look. They're not into the fantasy play or the narrative. They want to be banged up against a wall and, and fucked. Hallelujah. God bless. Like, that's a simple route. We got you. We got your number. <laughs> um, you know, and then there are men who want to be teased. They want to be um, seduced. Hmm. They want to they they show. They want to watch the lingerie come on and off, right? And slowly. And they want the power game. Like, power, power is attractive. It's really fucking sexy. And so, you know, to say that men are only into fucking and, and women need to be seduced, it's like, it's not the, it's not, it's the wrong message. Mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, I think that's a, a misconception that needs to kind of shift. Yeah, no, that's great to hear that, that we're wrong. <laughs> I, I also think, you know, men need to be trained, if I'm being really honest. And women need to be trained too. Like women need to be trained to go, actually, that does not feel good. Yeah. Or, hey, a little to the left, please. Like you're almost there. That feels so good. Just like that. There's studies um, that have been done around women's pleasure. And I forget which percentage it is, but like once a woman is like on track on that orgasmic rise, they don't want anything to be different. It's like, just like that. No, don't move. Don't move. Just like that. I don't want anything different. And men in our like wanting to like do shit. We're like, (laughs) I'm going to switch it up. Right. You know, I'm going to move my fingers like this now. And the woman's like, no, no, no. (laughs) You ruined it. I just said that. (laughs) So many times. I'm like, I was right. (laughs) There. You know, so I think. Men have to resist their urge to do sometimes and to just hold. And like, that's, that's something that's been a practice of mine is just holding. And sometimes just holding space, whatever that looks like, of just like putting your hand on somebody's lower back is enough. Like, I don't need to be moving my hands around or, you know, sometimes just being in stillness with someone and holding is enough. Let me ask conversely, if it for guys, how is it normally like when uh, a person is giving head or hand job or something like that, right? Do do men tend to prefer the same kind of rhythmic following or do you guys like to switch it up? So I think like once once you're on that track, I think a lot of times speeding up, like you're getting towards the end and it's like, you know, the crescendo. And, you know, everybody's different in that way. I think, you know, that question of like, how do I give a great blowjob? Right. And the answer is ask the person how they like to get blowjobs. <laughs> that's what I've done. Oh, oh that's much harder. <laughs> yeah. That's much harder than like. I know, right? To do. Just want the I mean, formula. <laughs> I mean, there's like, you know, there's certain things that you can do. You can do the hand and the mouth. You can do the hand. You can do just the mouth, you know, and all the things in between. But it really comes down to like, you know, you want me to hold it tighter? 
Mm-hmm. Do you like, do you like hand and mouth? You know, do you want more wetness? Like mm-hmm. whatever it is, like, do you like what I'm doing? Right. Is that feel good? More or less pressure, you know, and same thing with women's pleasure of like really getting to know your partner's anatomy in that way. And I also find that it, it shifts sometimes. Yeah. Without talking about all the dicks I've sucked. Um, I've, <laughs> I have, I have learned that, you know, people can be very different about yeah. what they want and, you know, younger, you does the same thing with everybody. And then as you get older, you're like, well, that didn't work out the way I thought it would. Or why is this taking so much longer? Why is this taking so long? I was like, this is so long. My fucking jaw hurts. I'm PSJ. Um, and so then I've learned to ask the question. And, and, and reframing, right? Cause I get it. it. It used to feel very awkward to ask and it used to feel very awkward to say what mm-hmm. I wanted. And I don't think it's like an age thing that, that, um, changed it. It was really me looking at it as, wait a minute, I'm saying, I really like this person and don't I want them to be happy? So why am I saying that they should be happy the way I want them to be happy? Maybe they just, they should be happy in the way they want to be happy. And so, um, you know, asking like, how do you like it? Mm -hmm. Uh Made it like, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying this because it's giving you pleasure and it makes, it makes me feel good that I have helped to give you pleasure in the way you like and vice versa. Absolutely. That was smart. I learned. You learned. See, you learned. After sucking a lot of dicks. <laughs> like, after my to. jaw almost <laughs> fell off, I learned. <laughs> that was fun. You know, and I think it's also for men and women, the piece that's so largely missed is arousal. We, mm-hmm. we go straight to the cock. We go straight to the pussy. Right. And it's like, come on, like, let's take it. Let's take some time, you know? There's so many other erogenous zones in the body mm-hmm. and so many ways that we can play. Um, you know, it's just, I think sometimes people need to like expand their erotic vocabulary a little bit. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to come back to what I cut you off at in the beginning. Okay. <laughs> the teaser. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, what are some of these ways that people can reconnect with their partners um, and feel comfortable doing that? Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's a lot of, a lot of avenues, right? There's, um, there's things that you can read. There's a lot of books. Um, Come as you are by Emily Nagowski is a great book for women. Um, It's also a great book for men to read about women um, Mm. to have a better awareness of women. Um, I think it's also one of the better um, books written about sexuality in in a while. Um, My friend Kenneth play just launched a new book also um, and that one is incredible. It's got all these like, um, gifts and, and like, um, photos that show anatomy and like anatomy of squirting and all kinds of amazing things. Um, and then there's like workshops that you can go to that are just as exciting, you know, group workshops, whether it's one taste or it's working with somebody like myself or going to, for women back to the body, which is a retreat that I work for, for women. Um, and so there's a lot of avenues to like 
reconnect with your own body personally. Um, but I think if you don't have the resources or the money or the time to do any of that, there's a lot of resources online that that help. And also like having really like hard, sometimes difficult conversations with your partner is absolutely necessary. Um, and I think that's like number one of like, hey, we've gotten a little off track. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I love you. And I, I still desire you. I want you. And there, there is also the possibility that you might not want your partner. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you're just like, I am so sick of this meal. I don't want to eat it right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a real thing. Um, and sometimes it's like, I'm a no right now. Um, but I think um, having it be a yes and, or a yes, maybe is so much better than, than shutting it off with a hard no. There's so many ways to connect. Like I said earlier, so many ways to connect in erotic space with your partner. It doesn't always have to be, you know, penetration sex. I was reading a lot about the, just a simple act of affection or reintroducing affection and like holding hands and that simple yeah. physical touch stuff. I'm curious in your, you know, expertise in this, um, have you noticed that like couples that, uh, you know, might face this kind of issue, are they kind of not, not being as affectionate and that's why this is being reintroduced or, Mm -hmm. um, is it just to like amplify those kind of feelings? Well, I, I think it depends on where that that couple is starting with the baseline that they're starting, you know, some couples, they haven't had any form of touch, right? They're not hugging anymore. They're not kissing. They're not holding hands. They're not sleeping in the same bedroom or they're sleeping on opposite sides of the bed. And so, you know, the base level that they're starting at is like, okay, we need to reintroduce touch, soft touch, affectionate touch. Like let's reintroduce that first and then build on it. But there are couples that come in and they're like, we kiss, we hold hands, we cuddle. We're very affectionate with each other. We're just not having sex Hmm. or we're not having as much sex as we want. And we don't know why. Then there becomes a question of like, are you guys getting your touch needs met with all this affection? And what if we like just separated a little bit, like, cut down on the PDA a little bit, cut down on the cuddling and, you know, to, to allow there to be a little bit of like hunger. Mm, There it is. Hunger, hunger is, is important, right? You know, that's why like when I travel, like when I travel and I come home, it's like Christmas day. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) No. And sometimes, you know, my partner will like shave his body in different ways. And I'm like, fucking new yes like yeah. christmas down there Fun idea. Yes. <laughs> you know it's just like those little things that are like you know it's the same body it's the same person but you're just like hmm yeah right they did something for me or they did something mm-hmm. for themselves and i'm getting the rewards um but yeah i do think like when there's too much affection it, it can be also off-putting that's a, such an interesting thing. And you're so right. Like that would make sense. Like sometimes maybe you've gotten your physical touch fill yeah. and there's no room for anything more. So um, yeah, yeah. That's, that's very interesting. I mean, I think there's room. There's just no hunger. Mm, yes. 
you're just not hungry for it. Whereas like, if you're touch starved, you're like, Oh, I just put your arms around me. Right. Kiss me. You know, I want it. Like, I really want it. I'm hungry for it. As opposed to like, Oh, I got it. And then it starts to become the question of like, could I be in the mood? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Well, Court, as we wrap out this episode, uh, I want to ask, you know, can couples, relationships, daters get ahead of this where, Mm -hmm. so hopefully they don't fall into this pattern. What are some of the habits and things that, that we can do, um, to make sure it doesn't go south as fast? I think number one is having a connection with your own body, um, having conversations with your parts. Like mm-hmm. I, I, this is sounds so dumb and so silly, but I have full on conversations with my cock and I love it's, that. It's amazing. Like what comes from that. And sometimes they're very humorous and sometimes it's like, stop, you're working me too hard. Like, I don't want it anymore. Like give me, give me a break. And then other times it's like, uh, hello. Where have you been? It's right. time. Like, <laughs> I'm ready. Stop working so hard. I need some attention here. Right. You know, and so it's like starting to listen to your body, you know, just the way that you'd listen to your shoulder. It's like, oh, my shoulder's kind of hurting. You know, it's like, what is your, what is your genitals saying to you? Hmm. Like there's, there's like real validity in that. Um, I also think, you know, finding ways to incorporate movement and sound, um, whether that's dance or um, burlesque or, you know, some form of, of eroticism in your life um, can be really helpful. And then starting to connect the dots of, of how to bring those elements into your sex life, too. Mm. Did I answer the question? I feel like I didn't answer the question. No, I think you gave some some great tips for people to to start uh, ahead of uh, it getting stale. Right. One last thing. One last thing. Please. I think um, a self-pleasuring practice and I'm going to say self-pleasuring, not masturbation, because mm. masturbation is like genital focus. We're like getting in there, getting it done. Self-pleasuring is like like I could touch my feet and like feel pleasure there and like get my toys, my sensation toys out and move and dance and start to like feel alive in my body and then move to more to my genitals mm-hmm. my playlist on like light a sexy candle like get my favorite porn out or my audio porn or like decide i'm not going to even use any of it today and really focus on just pleasure pure pleasure and it you know it's like i'm like oh my shoulder that feels good yes yeah. that's pleasure go for it i'm going to take my hair and like, Oh, that feels so good. You know, like not leaving any of the parts out and not skimping on yourself. Like when you go to the gym, you're going for an hour, at least you're going there for an hour. That's mostly what people do. Why can't you have a self-pleasuring practice? that's an hour Hmm. or working up to that, like working up your erotic endurance to be able to, to be with your erotic body or your body for that long. Those are important things. It's beautiful. It's a way to get hold it. <laughs> Those are wonderful, wonderful tips, Court. Um, thank you so much for sharing yeah. all of that and being on the episode. It was fun. You guys are good. Yes. <laughs> we try. We try. Um, you know, I was trying to keep up with you. <laughs> exactly. 
I feel like you're not, you're not totally done. We have something called six questions. We ask every guest the exact same six questions. So, you know, it's like rapid fire. Don't think about it too much. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, court. What is the first thing you notice about a potential partner? Face. Nice. What is one deal breaker? Non-sexual. What turns you on? Power. Ooh. What are one of your strengths and one of your weaknesses in relationships? Hmm. Interesting. I think strengths is um, communication and maybe weakness is also communication. Yeah, that happens a lot. We see that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Court, what is love? Oh. What is love? This is so interesting. I asked my Instagram audience this the other day and 20 people answered and I got 20 different answers. <laughs> yeah. That's why we ask everybody this. Yeah. We get different answers. I think love is between partners, at least, is a continued commitment to, to stay mm-hmm. and a continued commitment to um, be with one another. Um, I think. Oh, it's such a hard one. I there's like erotic love, which is that new, fresh, like I want to throw my hands up and take you everywhere. And then there's that love that's like comes from being with someone for a long time and thinking like if they died, hmm. I would be so I would be a wreck and going, wow, I really love this person. So that's the only I, I don't know if I could say it in words so much but those two things are important to mention yeah uh and besides i love you what three words would you want your partner to tell you oh hmm i appreciate you love that um fuck me harder no (laughs) (laughs) yeah that one yeah we're gonna keep that one (laughs) always and um Hmm. I hear you. Hmm. Okay. Well, it was supposed to be just one set of three words, but we'll oh, take three nice. sets of three words. That or that works too. Great. We appreciate it. And, and we we really do appreciate you. Thank you. And we hope you get fucked harder. <laughs> no, it's them saying. No, I know. I'm just saying harder. we hope for you that you continue to get fucked harder. <laughs> yeah. Um, just sending out the best <laughs> yes. wishes, you know? Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, Court, once again, thank you so, so much for being on the show. How can everyone find you and all your amazing work? Um, yeah. And yeah, please share. Uh, you can find me on thebodyvox.com. You can find me on Instagram at Portvox or thebodyvox on Instagram. Um, and you can check out my line of sensation toys at everybodysquirm.com. Um, and I have a men's a retreat coming up in Mexico, um, which is on my website as well. So check that out. Those are all so wonderful. Um, guys, we have, we will have all of court's links, um, in the description of this episode. So please make sure you follow him. He is a friend of the show and of ours, uh, personally. So please make sure you follow on top of just being an amazing, um, sex intimacy and somatic wellness coach. So thank you again for being on. Thanks for having me. See you soon.
Uh, <laughs> guys, please make sure you follow us. We are at Kind of Dating on social media. Aisha, this was so fun. How uh, can everybody find you? Y'all can find me at Aisha Says Dance everywhere. And as your complicated friend, I'm at Natasha Chandel on Instagram, Natasha.Chandel on TikTok, Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. Please tell a friend, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and send us your dating stories and thoughts via voice memo to kindadating at gmail.com. Finally, I know it seems tough out there, but just try. Till next time. Kind of Dating is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Kind of Dating is created, produced, and hosted by myself, Natasha Chandel. Aisha Holden is my co-host. Adam Pineless and Karina Uribe are producers. Our opening music is composed by Joe Lorenzetti, and our logo and graphics are by Jenna Yannick and K. Daniel Ellis.